0: That's Understood Explains, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to the Edit Your Life podcast. I'm Christine Ko. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to
0: declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection.
1: And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Hello, friends. Today, I am talking with my dear friend, Karen Walrond. You might recognize her because we have interviewed her on this podcast before. Karen is a writer, she's a photographer, a leadership coach, and many other things. But today, I'm going to be talking to her in her role as author of the new book, The Lightmaker's Manifesto, How to Work for Change Without Losing Your Joy. This is such an important book. I'm so excited about it because in this book, she doesn't just make the case that activism can be joyful. She actually counts activism as one of the ingredients of a joyful and meaningful life. She shares stories, interviews, and has this amazing insight, which I really have never heard before in the way that she brings it. And she really shows that there is a light maker and a change maker in all of us. and, She gives us a manual for embracing it. I just feel like the timing for this book could not be better. And the timing for Karen's voice could not be better either. So, welcome, Karen. I'm so thrilled to be talking to you. Oh my gosh, the generosity
2: (laughs) never quits with you, does it? It's
1: (laughs) awesome. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I just feel like, you know, I feel like we're in actually, we're continuing a conversation we've been having in some ways for years. But also yeah. specifically around this book. I mean, we've talked a lot, and I'm just I'm just really excited to dig in with you. Oh, me
2: too. And let's let's be very very transparent. Like I, you were one of the sages that I actually consulted as part mm. of writing of this book. So, um, yes. your lovely wisdom is in there as well.
1: I am in this book, and um, I, yes, I was part of this. It, it's um, it sounds so formal for me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's an honor. Now that I see the entire book, and it wasn't just. Conversations we were having. When I see all the ways that you have brought together all of these stories and um, examples, it's uh, it's pretty amazing to be a part of this. Thank you. It was amazing to write it. It was really a gift to write it. mm -hmm. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about writing this book because you know you call this book the Lightmakers Manifesto, which already you know sort of makes my ears perk up. That's a (laughs) that's a pretty powerful title and you know, in it, you really are talking about what you call joyful activism. Mm. Now, joyful activism, this is a phrase I expect might have more than one person sort of scratching their heads. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like activism isn't always something people associate with joy. And even the word activism has, you know, all sorts of associations. And, you know, you say in the book, that it actually took you a while to even embrace that title. So what changed?
2: Yeah, well, it was really funny because I would love to say that this was a book that was deep inside of me crying to get out, um, but that would be a lie. What What actually happened was um, the publisher contacted me after having read my writing uh, about joy and about um, gratitude and things like that, and she contacted me and said, I think you should write a book on the intersection of joy and activism. And mm-hmm. my original reaction was probably like everybody's like that's not a thing, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you can't possibly have those two together. Mm-hmm. and also um some surprise at even thinking that I was qualified to write the book, right? Like uh, like I had, like many people associated activism with um acts that put the activist in peril, right? Mm-hmm. So things like um you know, getting tear gassed or arrested or standing in front of a tank in Tiananmen Square, right? Like mm-hmm. um, really sort of perilous acts. And that is not something I've ever done. I've certainly done things that, you know, now I would absolutely put firmly in um, in under the heading of activism. But, you know, I was like, yeah, I've done a few pride parades and women's marches and I've, you know, I vote and I've traveled with organizations that do good in the world. And but I would not have ever used that word activist on there. Um, And so even though I said yes to doing it, which was sort of a leap of faith in myself that I could even put it together. When I started thinking about people who I thought of as activists in my life, um, people like Renee Brown and Tarana Burke and you and other people who I ended up interviewing in the book, it suddenly dawned on me that none of the people who I named were people who, for whom that more um dangerous aspect of activism were things that I associated with them right mm-hmm. like um and so then I started thinking, well, if I can think of Brene Brown or Tarana Burke as an activist, what is keeping me from thinking of myself as an activist as well like what what is why do they not fit that definition I have in my mind, and yet I consider them activism and so I start the book by basically sort of exploding the definition of activism, which I call being led by your values to purposeful action in the hope of making the world brighter for other people. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and once that really you- is a, that is a definition that so many people can find a home in so many more people, I think, Absolutely. than that initial, I, I think I had the same sort of initial feeling you did. So that is, that's exciting. Yeah.
2: Right. And it wasn't, and, and what I, I'm, I, Excited me about that definition was it wasn't one that I came up with to try to like, okay, if I can do that, then maybe I can fit myself or other people in it. It was the opposite. It was like these people are clearly activists, so it's my definition that's clearly not broad enough because mm-hmm. there's no there was no question in my mind. Like the evidence is there that activism can look like many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just the connotation of, you know, tear gas and and being arrested
1: absolutely yeah that is uh i feel like that um when i think about my own experience of activism that's that's really i don't think i would have put it that way but that's exactly the sort of path that i took too it was sort of like well i'm not an activist but i'm going to do this thing and this thing and this thing which sort of results in change i'm hoping and then i turned around later on and went wait a minute that's activism yeah absolutely but it's not what i
2: thought and it's not to decry, obviously, those people who do put their lives on of the course. line, right? Like, clearly, they, we need those people. But mm-hmm. we also need the people who sort of quietly work, you know, on the sidelines and
1: doing real change and mm-hmm. making real change in the world. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's space for all of us. Right. Absolutely. Okay, This um this brings up so much more that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we will do that. We will chat about it all. And we'll continue after a quick break.
0: Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to mysteries about true histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods.
3: If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
1: All right, friends, we're back. And I'm speaking with Karen Walrund, uh, author of the new book, The Lightmaker's Manifesto. And we're talking about joyful activism. And Karen, you just, you know, when just before the break, we were sort of talking about exploding the definition of what activism is, or at least what our conception of activism is, that it's mm. so much more than maybe what we might think of, you know, just sort of in a small definition. And um, it's exciting because I know that so many of us, you know, there are lots of things in the world that we care about and we want to work for change, but we Mm -hmm. haven't necessarily seen a way to do that or seen a place for us to do that. And, you know, I think you start this book by really showing us that there's a huge sort of range for making change. And that's so exciting. You know yeah, that yeah. it—it's not just the fact that um, activism is accessible to us, but it can actually bring joy and meaning and community to our life. But I want to talk about something that I know I felt, and I have heard other people talk about. I mean, people might actually feel convinced that yes, this is something that I want to do. I want to work for change, but it's scary. Like mm. it's frightening. Like yeah, yeah. People feel like. And this is true on some level, you got to put yourself out there and risk saying the wrong thing or angering people you care about. But in Lightmaker's Manifesto, you share some ways folks um, have begun really quietly and gradually and even privately, which I was really fascinated by. Like Mm. (laughs) you actually use this one expression, which I had never heard before. You said, real G's move in silence. And Uh I was like, oh, what does that mean? Tell me more. <laughs> so I would love to hear a little bit more about this quiet and private and gradual activism that you're talking about.
2: Yeah, sure. So Real G's Move in sil- uh, Silence is a lyric from a song, from a uh, rap song. Um, and it's Real G's Move in Silence like lasagna, like the G in lasagna. <laughs> um, and so what that is about is, well, I mean, let's just, let's just back all the way up. I I want to acknowledge that, yes, the idea of going into activism can be terrifying. And I mean, I will tell you that even though I identify as an activist now, just saying that phrase still terrifies me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so there is definitely something a little bit um, vulnerable about putting yourself out there to to be an activist. Uh, But I would posit a couple things. The first is, I think, Doing it quietly and doing it privately is actually a really great way to get started, mm-hmm. right? Um, we live in a time when, you know, if we have a good-looking latte, we have to take a photograph of it and share it with the world, right? Like we go, we live in this in this time where we're sort of encouraged to share everything. Um, and I don't think we need to do that. And in fact, I think it's imperative that we don't do that because there has to be some time of introspection of what it is you are uh, fully capable of doing of what it is you still have to learn, um, and also listening to people who have done the work before us and what works and what doesn't work and how and th- listen to their advice to getting started, and also just listening to your own values. And what I found is that even if you just dis- as a very first step, like getting very clear about what your values are, what it is that you want to advocate for. Um, And just really like literally, I mean, the the book includes tons of journal prompts because I'm a big fan of journaling, but really taking a quiet moment and deciding and getting very clear on this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to work for. And this is how I can use the gifts that I have to work for those things. A lot of times, a lot of that vulnerability starts to fall away Mm. because when you're very clear that I stand for this and I don't stand for this. Then you start to get a little more courageous about saying those things, because even if you get any backlash for it, it's easier to sort of shake it off because you have stood in your values and in your integrity in doing what you want to do.
1: You know, so, you know what this actually makes me think about is that, uh, you know, it's sort of um Pushes up against another misconception I had about activism. And that is that, you know, activism really starts outside of you. Like something mm. happens and therefore you rush into action. But in some ways, what you're saying is activism begins internally, it begins with identifying your own values. And I mean, there may be a precipitating event. Yes. But what you're saying is that the real first step is looking inside and not only understanding what your values are, but understanding what gifts you can bring to that. And that is, that is, um, that's powerful. And it's really exciting. Like I can see that that is, I mean, that's where the meaning is. Absolutely. And then once you've gotten clear on that, just, you know, again, you don't have to
2: live tweet it or take pictures of it. Right. But just start taking baby steps. And what, What was also very interesting for me was that a lot there are people who I can think of who I've who I identify as activists that nobody actually even really knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's actually quite quiet. um, The things that the way they're, you know, putting together fundraisers and like they're friends of mine who I didn't know until later. I was like, oh, my gosh, you're actually quite a force behind this, um, this cause that that you are advocating for. And then another person, my father, um, it was really funny. So my father's in his 80s um, and definitely has the soul of an activist, has mm. always done things. Um, he lived. He's lived all over the world. He was in the energy industry and he's lived all over the world. And every time he's lived somewhere, he's gotten involved in the community where he was living. Um, and he, after he read the book, he read an ARC, an early copy of this book, and he called me and, you know, he said all the nice things that dads are supposed to say. But <laughs> one of the things he said was, it suddenly dawns on me, I'm an activist, oh, right? Boy. And my dad's in his 80s, right? And I was yeah. like, of course you are. But like, he didn't even you really use that phrase for himself because I hadn't really thought about the things I was doing as activism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's no need really to crow about it. I mean, certainly... We want to share with people who um, you can link together with, and Mm -hmm. you know, I think activism. A lot of joy that comes from activism is because we do it in community. Absolutely, there's no there's no there's no necessity to to crow about it, especially if the reason that you're crowing about it has more to do with stroking your own ego, right? Mm -hmm. Than than bringing light to a cause. Mm. So take and and isn't that interesting?
1: How you know, and you know, it's funny. Like baby steps. It's funny again. You know, people. This is, this is another misconception that, you yeah. know, activism requires rushing. It requires massive leaps. It requires running into the fray. You're saying, no, actually, it can take small steps. It can take quiet steps. You know, introverts are welcome. I mean, yeah. quiet, shy people are welcome. Talkative people are welcome. And um, that in many ways, activism can take place Um, among a small circle of people that grows gradually. Absolutely. As Uh a matter of fact, that was one of the biggest
2: lessons. It is one of the biggest lessons that Tarana Burke, the founder of the Me Too movement, shared with me. I can't remember whether or not they made it into the book, but she says that her biggest advice to people who want to go into it is to take tiny steps and... Listen, ask how you can be a foot soldier for a while mm-hmm. and learn what needs to be done mm-hmm. and then you can start to get bigger and bolder with your with your steps.
1: Well, I mean that's another interesting piece which is that there are um there are leaders and then there is, you know, the community and not sure. everybody has to be at the front. Um that basically a movement is composed of all sorts of different kinds of people and um and so there even as you are taking these steps, there's a wide array of roles one can take. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
2: And, and all of them can be fulfilling in various ways. Right. Right. Fascinating. Fascinating.
1: Okay. This is very important. Um, you know, it's, um, it's interesting. You, you mentioned Tarana Burke, founder Mm -hmm. of the Me Too movement. Um, there are other really interesting folks featured in your book. Um, Brene Brown being one of them, Brad Montague, who was co-creator of Kid President, author, you know, just change maker and Mm -hmm. lots of other folks who um, people may just be meeting for the first time. These I I think one thing that I truly love about the Lightmakers Manifesto is it's not just like, hey, you can do this kind of language. It's stories. I mean, these are great, fun, illuminating stories from regular folks some of whom, you know, like I said, you might recognize some of whom you won't. What What would you say was the most surprising thing you learned from these conversations or just something that really jumped out at you that you didn't expect?
2: You know, I think everybody that I spoke with said something that I had not thought of before, right? Like every single person who shared um, their insights with me or just their stories with me, um, and the learnings that, they came, that came with their stories, every single one of them, I was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't considered that. Um, I, it, that's, that's insane. And one that I think was, um, that comes to mind immediately, that's both deflating in some ways, but also quite freeing, um, was one shared with me by Valerie Kaur, mm-hmm. who is a sick, SIKH um, activist right mm-hmm. she she does a lot of activism um anti discrimination anti racism um immigr- immigrant advocacy adv- ad- activism um she's a faith leader she's a lawyer she's a filmmaker she's she's an amazing woman and she has this very um calming calming aura about her, like speaking Mm -hmm. with her, you feel like you're in the presence of a sage, right? Like that's that's absolutely I've heard her speak before and and she's quite remarkable. She's really, really lovely. And one of the things she said was um, that we are never, ever going to see the results of our activism, which was really, really depressing when she first said it. She said, you know, people have been working um, toward and marching towards social justice long before we came here, and people are going to do it long after we leave. Mm. And she said, so for that reason, we have to access joy, and we have to access community so that we can pass the baton on, Mm. right? And that's the only way to have longevity in the work. The Mm -hmm. only way to do it is to be able to um, do it in a way that it feels rooted in who we are and do it in a way that feels like connection and community and do it in a way where we celebrate the wins that we do have. Mm. That's the only way to do it. And that, you know, at first it was so depressing to me because I don't think it had ever dawned on me that we wouldn't get there. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like, of course, we're going to get there. And before I die, everybody's going to be equal and the Mm -hmm. planet will be saved. And, you know, all of these things and nobody will be poor and everybody will have health care. And, you know, of course. And then you say that and you're like, oh, Oh wait, maybe not. Or maybe, I mean, hopefully it will be better, right? Like we all hope it will be better, but maybe we won't be there yet. And so that, but the freeing part of that is, oh, well, if that's the case, then I can just try to be, make a more effective journey, Mm -hmm. right? Like I can make a more impactful journey toward that. And how can I do that? And how can I do that with people? So that Mm -hmm. was one That was really, really sort of surprising. Yeah, Um,
1: absolutely. I think the other thing is that it, uh, you know, as you're saying that, you said that it's sort of freeing, you know, because at first you realize that you're part of a long-term project mm -hmm. and then you, there is something very um, edifying and uh, sort of wonderful about realizing that you're a link in a chain, that you're part of a tradition, that you're maybe part of a movement. And that is a wonderful feeling to feel like really you've linked arms with people from maybe a hundred years ago and maybe a hundred years from now. If you can really think about yourself that way, that that's powerful. And that's really, that actually sort of gives me some joy even thinking about that.
2: Yeah. And the other thing I would say that surprised me sort of collectively was that to a person, I mean, from, from the Toronto Burks to the Brene Browns to the Valley Corps to the Asha Dornfest to the everybody, everybody said at some point, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like everybody started off going, I just knew I needed to do something. Mm -hmm. I just knew I, I needed to be a part of something. I didn't know what I was doing and I just began. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that is wonderful because I think, especially when you think of like the really big luminaries, right. The, the Gandhis and the J of, you know, the, the Martin Luther Kings of the world and the um, Nelson Mandela's of the world and the you know, Desmond Tutu's of the world. You think these are anointed people? Right? Oh yeah, like, these right. These are people Those who people already have, know. Yeah, they, or what they've to got.
1: Ha- they were born with halos somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly.
2: And so, sort of realizing that everybody is just an ordinary person who made that first um, realization that they needed to do something
1: mm-hmm.
2: m- makes it very accessible for all of us to mm-hmm. think. Okay, well, what's my part? What can I do?
1: Absolutely. And I mean, and in the end, even those luminaries were just regular people too. Absolutely. And I think that, um, that whole, I don't know what I'm doing realization, which yes, I can, uh, from, you know, firsthand experience, I can say that that is exactly what I, what I felt and what I continued to feel for a very long time. Um, it, it opens up the possibility of creating change to every single one of us. And yeah. it also flings open the door to like, there's really no one right way to do anything, which on the one hand, it's like somebody just please give me the right way. At least give me <laughs> a place to start. Um, and, you know, okay, well, we'll talk about that shortly, but um, it, it's, it's a wide open horizon. And, and that's a good thing, uh, yeah. especially at this particular moment where it, it feels like there is so much need out there. For sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, there's a lot more to discuss, which we will do after a very quick break.
3: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell, laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom.
1: All right, friends, we're back and we are talking about joyful activism with Karen Walrond, author of the new book, The Lightmaker's Manifesto. I love thinking of myself as a lightmaker. Yeah, there you are. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We're all going to do it. Seriously, let's embrace that because that feels really, really good. Actually, (laughs) one of the things that's really lovely about the book is, you know, you use this metaphor of a bonfire as a way to sort of carry us through the various stages of um, like embracing your inner light maker. And I don't know, I just found that to be very beautiful. That was one of the things that I loved, truly loved about the book. This, oh, it, it was you. like, it. as I read it, it was sort of like, you know, at first it's like really joyful activism. Oh, wait a minute. Of course, activism's joyful. Really? I could do this? Oh yeah, of course I could do this. Wait a minute. How do I do this? Oh, here's how to do it. Like it <laughs> just one thing led to the next in such a natural, readable and amazingly like lighthearted, joyful way. This is not a heavy, big downer read. I mean, some books, let's let's just be honest. Some books feel like having to eat your greens, you know, like (laughs) take this, it's good for you. And reading this book, it was just like, it was, it was like uplifting, lighthearted. It was funny. I left, I laughed at turns. I mean, it is a, it's fun to read. It's wonderful to read. And Um, and one of the greatest things is it's not just one of those books that's sort of like inspiring and wow, and that's great. Um, you actually include, include like real tasks and real, uh, like exercises and things activities. Um, so it's not just, um, like, Hey, activism, it's joyful. You should do it. It's more like, here's actually how to get started. Here's how to think about your gifts and your skills. Here's yeah. how to think about your values. So, um you call this part of the book the Lightmaker's Manual. It's like a series of step-by-step activities at the end yeah. there. Can just you to just light your own bonfire. Yeah. Ah. I'm so <laughs> excited. Okay. So, can you just like talk a little bit more about it and how might somebody identify their own first steps, for example? You don't have sure. to say every single thing, but maybe just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Well, I if if I
2: could, I'd love to just sort of uh, touch on what you were saying about this not being an eat your greens kind of book. Mm-hmm. Um just because I wrote this book in 2020 and I literally I think I signed the book deal like in March of 2020 right when right when we were all going into lockdown right mm-hmm. from the pandemic and then a few months later George Floyd was killed and Breonna Taylor and um and my publisher when things were just really just on fire um and not in the good way, like in the book, mm-hmm. my publisher called me and said, and apologized. She's like, I am so sorry. Like, mm. I can't believe that I've hooked you in to writing a book about this when everything is just a hot mess, right? Mm. Um, and I told her, I said, you know what? This is actually a, such a gift. I'm like, I'm not just saying you shouldn't apologize. I'm saying that you have given me a gift here because I am connecting with people who are, have made it their life's work to make the world better. And so when I'm watching the news and horrible things are happening, and then I'm suddenly interviewing somebody who is actually doing some really beautiful stuff and making light in the world, it was really very, very encouraging. Um, and so I'm glad to hear that you felt that it was a very encouraging book
1: because that's certainly what it felt like to write it. Right. Mm. So it came um, through, It it really, truly did. And, um, And, and, and in ways that I wouldn't have, and in ways that I have not felt when reading other, you know, books that are about, you know, sort of either, you know, expanding my sense of self or expanding my career or something like that. It it felt there was something more that was happening.
2: Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a joy to read. And so one of the things to your question about things that you can do, one of the things that was also very apparent, um, when talking to many, not all, but many of the people I talked to was um, they all really had a practice of introspection of mm-hmm. some way. Um, some of them were journal writers. Um, actually, many of them were journal writers. Some of them created vision boards. Um, there was a couple who were artists and they considered their art making a practice in how to move through the world as activists. Um, so there was all of this very, very introspective stuff that has been happening in various forms um, among all of these people. So as far as like very first steps, I would say the first thing, and we touched on this before, is to get very introspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way you can do that can be in many ways. It can be um, writing in a journal again, I'm huge I'm very very um big on writing in a journal. I also sketch a lot and let's be very clear I am not a talented sketcher um <laughs> but I do it right as sort of as a daily practice. Some people create vision boards right where they just coll- they go in through old magazines and collage images and worlds that words that reflect the way they want to work th- go through the world the, mm-hmm. like the the difference that they want to make in the world mm-hmm. so um so I would say, one of the first things to do is to really, really get um, introspective and think about um, a couple of things. One is what are the things that I really, really love to do in the world? What are the things that I would do even if I never got paid? What are the things that I can't help myself but doing? Um, And when I say that, I'm talking about anything. It could be cooking. It could be sewing. It could be whittling. It could be making music. It could be writing books. It could be any whatever it is, whittling Just, for change, whittling for Look, you laugh, <laughs> but I guarantee you there's a way to make sure that you can access those things that you no, love and I, I give agree. back. Right. Like yes. so really getting clear on the things you love to do, because that's the other thing is right. Like you don't want activism to feel like eating your greens. Like, yeah. Right. Like. You doing things that are just not innate to who you are, you're going to you're going to burn out like there's no Mm -hmm. reason to do that. Mm -hmm. The second thing is to be very clear about what it is you're passionate about, because trust and believe if you ask somebody what you can do to give back as many people as you ask is as many different suggestions you'll have. Right. Mm -hmm. There's there's environment, there's women's rights, there's LGBTQ rights, there's I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can do and we can't do it all. So it's best to really identify what is the thing that makes you really passionate. And pas- by passionate, it can be like, I really, really want to amplify this cause, or this cause really in- incites passionate anger in me when I see this injustice. But whatever the thing is that you just can't shake, right? Mm-hmm. Get really clear. And when I said don't just sit here and go, huh, I'm listening to Karen, this is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. literally get a piece of paper and start thinking about what what is it and why is it and why does this get me so much and Mm -hmm. who's affected by it? Am I a member of this community or is it, am I going to act as an ally to this community? Mm -hmm. And then once you've got all of that, then you can start thinking about, okay, what do I need to learn to make those changes? But first get very, very clear on your own passions and your own gifts.
1: Okay. So uh, this brought up 5 million follow-up questions. (laughs)
2: Of course. Um,
1: But The first thing I want to say is, once again, what you're saying is, even though we might want to rush headlong into what we see as, uh, you know, there's a crisis, we need to fix it immediately, what you're saying is there is the first most sustainable thing that we can do is to actually pause and take time for introspection. I think that's so I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, I think the other thing you said you alluded to burnout. I mean, burnout's a real thing. And now take it from somebody who was super active the last however many years. I, um, I definitely have to sort of change the form of my activism so that I can keep doing it and I can't, and which means I'm not going to be doing it in the same way that I was doing it before. And so I appreciate what you said about really identifying the gifts and skills that you already have that you truly love to use because- you know, we don't get burned out when we do that. Yeah. That's huge. And something about what you
2: just said there, sometimes the gifts that we have aren't the things that really hundred percent bring us joy. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a Mm. lot of times I can't think of how many times people will say to someone, you know, you're really good at that. You're really, really good at that. And then that person's like, that's cool, but that's not something I want to do every day. Right. Right. Like that's not something I, so it, it has to bring you joy as well as something that, um, that feels like what you're born to do, you know, like really sort of hone, you know, the list of things and it can be many things. It may be one thing, many things, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think what you're saying is this is why you're saying, don't just sort of run off and like say, okay, Karen, I think I know, I think I got it. Like really take some time because you're right. It's, um, these are nuanced. Um, these are sort of nuanced discoveries that people can have about you know, what motivates them and what's out there. And I think, you know, the other thing that you did say, which I thought was really important was, um, you know, really think about the issue or the cause or the community that really lights you up. Because it's true. I've had friends out there who are like, I want to do something. But so many, there are so many problems. Like, I don't even know where to begin. And um, in some ways, what you're saying is trust that there are others who will find their places in those other causes or communities and that you will best serve and you will also best sort of light your own fire by focusing on what you care about
2: absolutely yeah absolutely yeah.
1: and 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 you can also when you get very clear on those
2: things you can sort of you can do it without guilt because trust and believe there's always going to be like oh well you are so passionate about racism but what about the environment how come mm. you're not doing anything you know and you can be like okay well if I do any support in the environment, it's going to be in this small way, but really my focus is on this, Mm -hmm. right? My focus is on, and you can get very, very clear about where do you want to hone your focus? Because again, there are millions, I bet, different ways that you can, or different causes that require, but luckily there's millions of us. So Mm -hmm. we can all, you know, take up the mantle for whichever one feels most natural to us.
1: Right. And we can also sort of embrace our own individual approach to it. And I think You know, like when I think about that, what, you know, that that little dialogue you just played out, you know, like, yeah, well, but what about blah, 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 somebody I'm imagining some, you know, sort of uh, anonymous person in social media (laughs) saying that Um, I realize because I had some folks say that to me when I was in, in a different phase of my own activism politically. And I remember the fact. The fact that I did feel clear about my values and the way I was going about doing it, I found a real strength for responding to those folks sure. that I didn't know that I had, actually. Yeah. Like, if someone would have told me before that I would be having that sort of interaction with somebody, I would have felt intimidated. I would have felt like, I don't uh, that's scary. But somehow, once I was there, because I was working from a place of sort of deeply held value values. I had the energy for it and I had the courage Absolutely. for it. It was just there. Absolutely. So that was, hmm, that's. And, and as Brene yeah. will
2: say, you know, uh, Brene Brown, who studies courage and vulnerability, like mm-hmm. that's sort of her thing. Um, she will tell you, and she says it in the book, she says, you know, if you're, when you're clear on your values, then it doesn't feel as much like courage as it does just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't have to worry about the scariness nearly as much, right? You you are now like, well, I have no choice but to do this because mm-hmm. that's what feels right. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's that's another way to kind of get rid of some of that fear. It's just that clarity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's leave it there because I feel like that's the bottom line and yeah. um and and that's amazing. I mean, there's so many other things that we could talk about. I mean, and there were so many other stories in this book and um, I really um, hope that folks, you know, pick it up and read it because I feel like we've only just scratched the surface here. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, listen, let's, you know, let's wrap this up. Like I said, I could talk to you for hours about this, (laughs) but um, let's wrap up. And, You know what Christine and I always like to do at the end of our podcast is we do something called, we talk about your next edit, which is like an actionable activity or thing, something that listeners can do, you know, like a takeaway, practical takeaway that listeners can basically do today, this week, based upon what we've talked about in our conversation. So Karen, I would love to know what your next edit is as it relates to what we've talked about today.
2: Well, unsurprisingly, it's going to involve journaling because that is my thing. Um and I would invite people to take up their journal. Like take and when I say journal, it does not have to be some beautiful leather-bound tome that has <laughs> wonderful handmade papers in it. Like it, this can literally be a spiral notebook that you have lying around. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. But I would rec- I would recommend starting a journaling practice. And um I do mine I was going to say daily. I do do it daily right now, but for a long time, it was just sort of weekly. Like it's the way I started my work week, like, or my the five days a week kind of practice. And if this, if it's hard to think about what to write, I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself every morning that you can write the answers to in your journal. Um, and this will help you on your way to joyful activism. And the three mm. questions are, how can I feel healthy today? Right. And so you write down, what does that feel like to be healthy? And that can mean movement. It can mean taking a nap later. It can mean drinking lots of water, whatever it is. It may mm-hmm. be different things on different days. For me, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. The second question is, how can I feel connected today? Who can I reach out to um, and just say hello? Just understand, you know, just make somebody feel better. Just check in on somebody that you need to check in on with. But whoever that person is. And then the third is, how can I feel purposeful today? Mm. What is one thing I can do that will make me feel like I've made a difference today? And it can be anything, again, from volunteering, something big like volunteering, or something small like simply donating some some money somewhere, right, Mm -hmm. to a cause. Um, But if you get a pattern of asking yourself those three questions every single day, you may be really surprised at what comes up as what's really, really important for you um, how you can make a difference, what has brought you joy in making a difference? And suddenly some of those answers will start to fall out.
1: Mm. Wow, that's amazing. I'm gonna try that. I, I feel like, you know, it's I journal all the time. It's often not um focused though. And I feel like already, even just hearing you say those questions, I'm 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 trying to answer them for myself while sitting here. And I'm like, huh, I I need to think about that. So mm. um that is a wonderful, wonderful place to start. Um Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for, for talking to me about this. Thank you for writing this book and oh. making me think differently about, I mean, my own activism. And I'm like coming to this as somebody who's been doing it for a while. So um, this is this is just really wonderful. Well, thank
2: you so much for having me on the show. And thank you so much for your light, not just the light the generosity that you shared with me, um, in the writing of this book, but having me here on the podcast, I am Mm -hmm. just always, always so very, very grateful to you.
1: Ah, same here, same here. Well, listen, friends, um, Karen Walrund, her new book is called The Lightmaker's Manifesto, and uh, I will link it up in the show notes, of course. I will also be linking up Karen's social media profiles. Um, She's going to be doing all sorts of really interesting things around her book launch, so you'll want to go ahead and follow her. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to the book and all the resources we've mentioned, plus lots of great related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. And as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. Chat with us on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show, or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. Finally, we'd be grateful if you drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend about us. Thanks for listening.
5: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence